One morning, the people in Tabani, Sokoto State, woke up to the strange sight of motorcycles, often the preferred means of transportation by terrorists. Those who could took to their heels. Some jumped into the river and others ran towards the farmlands and forest area. Mokhtar Marafa was among those who sought protection from the river, where he spent about two hours. Towards the end of the attacks, nine of the invaders approached on their bikes and shot into the water. Luckily, he survived. By the time the terrorists left in a haze of dust and smoke, the people of Tabani were preparing to bury 45 of their kinsmen. Welcome to a new episode of the Crisis Room podcast. I am Maria Mustafa. In this podcast, we look at crisis trends across the country and answer the tough questions around them. This week, I am here with my colleagues, Murtala Abdullahi and Kunli Adibajo. When do attacks take place? What happens when they do? What are the attackers after? How do these attacks affect people's lives and property? Today, we will be describing terrorist attacks in Northwest Nigeria in our attempt to understand how they are different from violent incidents in other regions of the country. For some years now, there have been new players on Nigeria's conflict stage. Locally, they are known as bandits. But many experts agree that their actions are beyond banditry and their actions have crossed into the realm of terrorism. The federal government recently obtained a court order confirming this position too. The activities of these terror groups have led to the death of thousands of lives and displaced hundreds of thousands in northeast and north-central Nigeria. Our colleague Kule Adibaj visited several states in the northwest and spoke to dozens of victims about the effect of the insecurity on their lives and livelihood. In the process, he got a lot of information about how the terror attacks take place and the effect it has on individual lives. Why do you think it is important to construct this event, Kule? Thanks for having me again, guys. I think the job of us conflict-sensitive reporters, you know, is not only to tell people what is happening in places where there is insecurity, but to actually show them as much as possible. It is not enough to report the numbers and the consequences. We should also give people a picture of what it feels like to be in the shoes of the victims, even if it is for a few hours or a day. I believe it is the best way to get people concerned and involved. That's true. Kule, please tell us what you have learned so far. Like, what is it about these attacks that make them qualify as terrorism? And why are there so many people abandoning their ancestral homes and farmlands, becoming refugees and IDPs? So, the attacks often take place at night, but there's no time of the day they cannot come. They constantly shoot into the air, and when people run, they hit them with their bikes and shoot them. They enter people's homes and take anything they find useful. Money, livestock, foodstuff, and so on. Sometimes they ask the residents to slaughter and cook their chickens, or serve them other prepared meals, and then they eat while the owners watch. Those who are not cooperating often lose their lives. They rape wives as their husbands helplessly watch, and daughters in the presence of their fathers. The farms are as unsafe as the communities themselves. As people walk on their farmlands, the terrorists rob and shoot at them. Sometimes they ask the farmers to search themselves and surrender their phones 
money and other valuables. The dead are wrapped in white cloth and buried as soon as possible. Sometimes their pictures are taken to serve as evidence before they are lowered in the grave. Other times, the grieving are simply too exhausted to do this. That is terrible to imagine. But what do the security personnel do when all these are happening? Do they come to the aid of the victims? Are there police officers in these communities? Actually, many of these communities do not have any police presence. And in other places, the officers are either not enough or not well equipped to face the terrorists. During attacks, the people often call on security agencies for help, but it usually does not come when they most need it. The police may say they are not around town or are in the bush for an operation or complain about a lack of arms and ammunition. It is this problem that has forced many to take up arms and form vigilante groups with the hope that they can at least protect themselves from the terrorists. Yes, the inability of the Nigerian government to protect these areas, especially remote communities, is causing self-help militias to emerge. And this itself is another problem that may worsen the security situation in these areas. The security agencies need to step up to their responsibility and the government should give them as much support as they need to perform their duties. If not, the vacuum will be filled by others, which is very dangerous. This is an episode of Human Angle Crisis Room. Thank you for listening. I am Maryam Mustafa once again. Join in next week for another episode. Members of our production team are Abatoko, Anthony Asemuta, and Anita Eboigbe. The executive producer is Ahmed Solkida. <laughs>